Hey everyone, thank you for checking out our podcast here at Victory Hill Church. Over the next few moments, our lead pastor, Aaron Begley, is going to share an impactful message with you from the Bible. We hope that it will encourage you to connect with God and connect with others. Hey, um, it's awesome to be with you today. I'm excited to be able to share the message this morning. And so um, we're right in the middle of this series called Stretch. And so today I have the opportunity to talk about what it means to discover our faith and how to grow our faith in our relationship with God. Could you guys do me a favor? Could you help me real quick welcome our online audience? Could you tell them how much we appreciate them? We're so glad that you guys are watching with us. And so we've been in the middle of this series, and, you know, it was interesting. You know, my wife and I are, are getting ready to, to leave and move home, and it's kind of a, it's a season of kind of being sad, but also being excited about what's next and all of these different things. And uh, Pastor Aaron came to me and w- when he was talking about having me speak on this Sunday, and he said, hey, you can speak on whatever you want to speak on. And I was like, well, what series are we in? And so we were on this series called Stretch, and I said, what greater thing to teach on than the power of faith and discover? what it means to stretch and to grow our faith. And so I'm excited to be able to share with you today. I'm going to be talking about the story of Abraham, and I'm also going to be sharing some of my personal story with you today. So I encourage you to lean in. If you have a notebook, take some notes, because I believe God's word has the power to challenge us and to change us more into the image of him. And so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want to encourage you to turn to Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 7. And so um, this is the story of Abraham. And so Abraham, just to give you a little bit of groundwork, is one of the patriarchs of the faith. And so he's one of the fathers of our faith. And so when we look back on history, Abraham is one of the guys. He's one of the ones that God worked through miraculously. He blessed his, his family and his lineage and made him a great nation. And I want to kind of get right at the beginning of the story of Abraham. And so here in Genesis 12, starting in verse 1, it says this. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now I don't know about you, but not many of us want to take a road trip at 75. Anybody in here want to take, no? Okay, that's what I was thinking. Some of you are like, yeah, I'd take a road trip at 75. But uh, Abraham takes this trip at 75 years old and he, he goes. And so it says that Abram took Sarah, his wife, Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land in the place of Shechem to the oak of Morah. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, when we look at the beginning of Abram's life, when we look at where he starts this story, Abraham is living in his homeland. He's living with his family. He's inherited all of this land, and God has him in this place where he really feels like this is where he's going to be for the rest of his life. 
And then God shows up on the scene one day and tells Abram, he says, I need you to move. Now, if you read this story through, you would think, you would assume that God gave Abraham direction and said, hey, you need to go to Canaan because we see that that's where he ends up. But if you really look closely at this verse of scripture, God doesn't give Abraham a direction to go. He simply tells Abraham to move. Now, I don't know about you, but if I went to my wife and I said, hey, you know what? God spoke to me today. He said, we're going to pack everything up, all that we own, everything that we have, and we're going to move. Her first question would be, where are we going, right? Where are we going? And Abraham had to answer that question with, we're just moving. We're just moving. God said, move. We're going to pack it up and we're going to go in this direction. And as we read this scripture, what we discover is that when Abram goes through the land of Canaan, because that just happened to be the direction that he was going, that's when God speaks to him and says, this is the land that I'm going to give as an inheritance to you. And there's power in that because I think we need to understand something when it comes to faith. You see, when we think about planning a trip, every single one of us, before we go on a trip, what do we do? We put in the location in our GPS. We map out what the destination is going to look like. If it's a long trip, we figure out where about halfway through we're going to stop and eat, maybe stay the night. We make a plan, right? We're planners. That's that's how we do a trip. But when it comes to faith and trusting God, many times faith comes with us not knowing the details. You see, faith requires us to move without the details. Faith requires us to move without the details. Now, many of you in here, you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, I'm good with faith. I trust God, but he's just got to give me a little bit of the picture. You know, I got to kind of know what it is that he's wanting me to do. But when we look at this story of Abraham, that's not what God does. God says, Abraham, I need you to move. And not just you, I need you and everything that you own, all that you have, everything that you know, I need you to move. We need to understand that faith requires us to move without the details. Now, I couldn't imagine, you know, kind of being Abraham in this moment and trying to explain all of this to the people that he had, because it wasn't just Abraham. It was Abraham and his servants and his family and all of these people that he had to say, hey, we're moving and we don't know where we're going. You know, he had to kind of look like a crazy person a little bit to some of the people. And I just want to tell you today, When God asks you to do something, it is almost always going to look a little crazy to everybody else. When God asks you to do something, many times it's going to require you to say, you know what? I don't care what anybody else says. This is what God has told me to do. So I'm going to do it. And so this is where we find Abraham. You know, I think so many times in our life, we try to determine the direction that God wants us to go based on our own plans. It's like we know that God speaks something to us and he's given us a burden for something in our heart. And all of a sudden we try to wrap that burden around what we think will work. We try to make a plan. We try to figure it out. We try to say, okay, God, yeah, if you want me to help serve in this area, then you know what I'll do is I'll kind of, I'll cut this part of my life out and, and I'll take some time there and I'll start working it out. But here's the thing. We can't do what God's asked us to do in our own strength and in our own plan. That's not what faith is. Faith sometimes comes without the details. 
I want to tell you a story. I'm just going to kind of summarize this because if we were to read it, it would kind of take a long time. And so I want to tell you the story of Moses. And I believe this is a very powerful story. And so um, how many of you here has heard of Moses? You know, he's the one who led the children of Israel out of Egypt, right? Delivered them from slavery. So we've kind of heard this story, but I want to give you just a brief overview of Moses because I think there's a part of his story that sometimes we skip over. So, so Moses' life was saved when he was just a baby. Pharaoh had commanded that all of the Hebrew boys be killed. And so um, what happened is Moses' mom put him in a basket and sent him down the river and God delivers him to actually Pharaoh's daughter who raises Moses up inside of the court. And so Moses is raised inside of royalty. He would have, the, the belief system is he would have become a prince. He would have been part of the royal house. But when Moses got a little bit older, when he got to the point where he could kind of see what was happening in Egypt, something began to convict his heart. Now, I believe it was God setting him up for what God had planned for him to do. So Moses looks out over Egypt and he sees his people are enslaved and he says, this is not right. This needs to be fixed. Now we know the end of the story is that God calls Moses to deliver them, but there's a part of the story that I think we need to see. You see, Moses at one point in his life decides he's going to try and fix the problem all on his own. It tells us that he witnesses an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, and what he does is he gets in the middle of it, and he ends up killing the Egyptian. You see, Moses saw the injustice that God had ordained for him to be the, the solving piece to. He sees it, but he tries to do it in his own strength. He acts out of his flesh, and he ends up killing this Egyptian, and what it does is it places Moses on the run. And Moses has to flee to the desert. And it's in the desert that we see God encounter Moses. And we see him encounter him at the burning bush. And God calls him and says, hey, I've called you to deliver your people. And this is what it is that I need you to do. And the reason I think this is so important is because so many times we try to do something that God has asked us to do, but we try to do it our way. We try to do it our way. We try to make it work out the way that we want to do it. I want you to understand something. This is, this is a point in this story I want you to know. The ability to do something in your own strength is not faith. Faith is accomplishing something through the supernatural power of God. I want you to, we're going to read this again. The ability to do something in your own strength is not faith. Faith is accomplishing something through the supernatural power of God. If you could do it, you don't need God to make it happen. When God tells you to do something, he wants you to trust in him and to lean into him. He wants to be the one who, who gets the glory out of what's happening. And if we're doing it in our own strength, there's no way for him to receive that glory. We must lean on him. That's what faith is all about. But that's hard for us because we want to be in control of our life. How many of you here like to be in control of your own life? Anybody? If you don't raise your hand, you're telling me a lie. So I know all of us in this room want to be in control. Some of us a little bit more than others, right? Some of us have the, got the details. We've got it in a notebook. We've got it planned out, A, B, C, D, subcategories, all of those things. Some of us are built that way. That's how we are created. But God says, you know what I need you to do? I need you to give that over to me. You, I need you to give that over to me. You know, some of us today, we need to know that the God that we serve is more than able to accomplish what he said he will do in your life. 
I maybe need to say that again. We need to know that the God that we serve is more than able to accomplish what it is he's told you to do inside of your life. You see, ultimately the problem with faith comes at the fact that we don't really trust God. Now, if we were to be asked that question, our immediate answer would be, yes, I trust God. Of course I trust him. He's God. He can do it all. But when it comes down to laying it all down at his feet and saying, God, whatever your will is, I give it to you, we don't. At the root of it all, we have to understand that we have to trust God. We're going to go back to the story of Abraham, and I want to share something with you. I think we need to understand that all of these moments of faith that we see in Abraham's life, as you kind of read through his story, they were not just moments. You see, faith is not a moment. Faith is a journey. Faith is not a moment. Faith is a journey. Faith is not just one moment in your life where God does something miraculous and you say, man, that was a moment of faith. You see, God operates through the action of faith. That's how he operates inside of our life. So faith goes from one faith moment to another faith moment. It is a journey of faith. And we see this happen in the life of Abraham. You see the first step of faith was Abraham moving to this new land. And then God comes into his life and he promises Abraham a son, but his wife can't even have children. And so mentally it doesn't work. It doesn't add up. He doesn't know how it's gonna happen, but he has faith because every time God has told him he's gonna do something, he's done it. You see, faith is a journey that builds on top of each other. So we begin to trust God more and more. And so we find Abraham, you know, believing that God's going to give him a son. And then what does God do? God gives him a son. He gives him Isaac and he blesses him. And so Abraham is once again renewed in his faith because he knows the God that he serves. Then we come to a story that would throw many of us off. And you see God ask Abraham after blessing him with a son, he asked him to give up his son. And I want to read this story to you this morning because I just, I love this story. I've heard it many times in my life, but I want to share it with you because I think there's some things in it that we can really pull out of this. And so Genesis chapter 22, verses one through three, and it says this, it says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. There's two steps of faith here. One, he's asked him to give up his only son. That's insane. The second is, I just need you to go. I'm going to tell you the mountain when you get there. I'm going to tell you where it is when you get there. I just need you to go and be listening to my voice. And I want us to pay attention. If you're taking notes, I want you to pay attention to verse three because this is so important. This is the response that Abraham had to God telling him to sacrifice his only son. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Let's stop for a second. Let's get real honest real quick parents in the room, if God spoke to you today and asked you to give up your child, any of them, you may have three or four kids, if he asked you to give up any of your children, would your response be to wake up the next morning and to get ready and to load whatever you needed and to go make the sacrifice? No. I know what we would do. 
we would begin to tell God how crazy of an idea this was. We begin to say, that's my son. That's the son that you gave me, that you promised me. This is what you told me was gonna happen. And now you're telling me to give him up? I must have lost my mind. There's no way this is what we're supposed to do. But that's not what Abraham does. Abraham gets up, loads up the donkey, loads up his servants, cuts the wood and gets ready to sacrifice his son. Verse 10, Abraham reached out his hand. He's on the mountain. He's at the, he's at the place. He reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God and seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Here's what we need to understand is so powerful. One of the biggest parts of faith is our response to God when he asks us to do something. You see, so many times our response to God when he asks us to do something is to argue with him. And to try and tell him how it's not going to work and how to try to tell him how there's no way that could happen, how there's no way that we're able to do this, how it just doesn't add up financially for us to start giving at this moment in our life because I don't know how it's going to work, God, or God, we don't even have time. Our schedule is so full. What do you mean you want us to serve in the church? I don't know how that's going to work. Maybe God's telling you, hey, you need to start a nonprofit to help those who are in need. And you've been rattling that in your brain and you go, I don't know how it's going to work because I can't even have time to, to do what I do now. Our response is to try and justify what we're already doing and to try and question what God is telling us to do. But Abraham teaches us a valuable lesson. I can tell you there's hard, there's, there's probably no one in this room who has had this moment with God where God has asked us to give up our only child and to sacrifice the one thing that means the most to us. But Abraham was, he was put in this place and what was his response? It was obedience. He was obedient to God. Your first response when it comes to faith must be obedience. We must be obedient to what God is telling us. When I was praying over about this message, I was with my parents last week and getting some re- things ready for our move. And I couldn't sleep one night and it was about one o'clock in the morning and I was up. It's weird how God likes to talk at those times. And so I'm up and he, I'm just beginning to study and, and kind of looking for things in this message and kind of looking at it. And, and I felt like he shared this with me. And I want to share it with you. And I wouldn't call it a formula, but I think it's something that's vitally important when we look at faith. And the first thing is this, that faith requires obedience. The first step of faith is obedience. You see, when, when Jesus told Peter to step out of the boat, the first, first thing he had to do to be able to walk on water was to step out of the boat. The first step of faith will always be obedience. So we have to trust God. We have to be obedient. Abraham was obedient. The second thing is this. Sacrifice. Obedience requires sacrifice. We don't like this when it comes to faith. Let's be honest. Okay, we're really good with faith when it fits inside the box of what we want it to look like. We're really okay with trusting God whenever it's like, okay, yeah, I can still, I can still do this. I can still serve. I can still, I can still love my neighbor. I can still do all the things that I want to do and still serve God. 
But let me tell you something about faith. Every story of faith I've ever experienced in my own life and I've ever read in scripture requires sacrifice. Something's gotta go. Something's gotta go. There has to be something that we sacrifice. This is how faith works. So faith requires obedience. Obedience requires sacrifice. And then sacrifice requires vulnerability. We're getting real now. You say, ouch, it's okay, I get it. I know where we're at. You see, sacrifice requires vulnerability. What does that mean? See, when we sacrifice, we have to open ourselves up and allow God to take out the things in our life that he needs to get rid of so that he can use us in the capacity that he wants to use us. So many times we don't want to change who we are. We don't want to change what we're doing. We don't, want, we don't want to get rid of that addiction that we have in our life because we're really comfortable living inside of it. But God says, I can't take you to where I have you going if you keep that in your life. I've got to take it out. I've got to cut that out. You can't have that. It requires vulnerability. It requires a moment of getting on the ground and saying, God, you know what? Whatever it takes, I'm going to give it all to you. Whatever it takes, I'm going to give it all to you because it's all yours. We have to become vulnerable with God. And I know it's not easy. And I know it's hard. But when we become vulnerable and we open ourselves up to God, this is what happens. You see, faith, vulnerability requires reliance on God. When we get to that point where we've become vulnerable, where we've opened ourselves up and said, okay, God, whatever it is that you need to cut out of my life, whatever it is I need to give up, whatever it is I've got to sacrifice, whatever it is I've got to do, I'm going to do it. When we get to that place of vulnerability and full reliance on God, here's what we understand. This is what I feel like God showed me. Faith is complete reliance on God. That's what faith is. Ultimately, faith is complete reliance on God. Like I said earlier, if you can do it on your own, it's not faith. It has to be something that only God can do. That's what it means to live a life of faith. Faith is complete reliance on God. Faith will always require a sacrifice. If it doesn't, it isn't faith because it didn't cost you anything. See, if we look at the stories of the men and the women in the Bible who live by faith, we see Noah who was told by God to build a boat when they never even seen rain. God said, I'm gonna flood the earth. They didn't even know what rain was. And here, here Noah is sitting there building the ark, people walking by thinking he's a crazy man. He was the crazy guy in the corner. They're like, how's Noah doing today? He's still building that boat. I don't know what he's gonna need it for, but he says it's gonna rain. Noah had to sacrifice everything, any kind of position he had in the community, any kind of acknowledgement of who he was. His entire family devoted themselves to building this ark. Because why? Because God told him to do it. And he knew it was better to be obedient than to listen to what anybody else had said to do. It took a sacrifice. Abraham gave up everything that he had, including his only son. He was willing to give his only son to God because he trusted in him. It requires sacrifice. If we look at the story of David, King David sacrificed his entire youth. What would have been the greatest part of his life? He sacrifices, served for a king who didn't even like him, a king who wanted him dead. David gave it all because he was being obedient to what God told him to do. Jesus 
laid down his life on a cross for us because he was obedient to the plan that God had laid out and he knew there was no other way. We say, well, it's Jesus. He knew it. It doesn't mean that he wanted to do it. It tells us in the garden that he said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Why? Because he didn't want to die, but he knew that it's what God had asked him to do and he was obedient even unto death for us. We have to be obedient. We have to make the sacrifice. Faith requires sacrifice. 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 22 says this. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Obedience comes before sacrifice. We have to be obedient to God. Here's what we have to do. We have to say, God, whatever you tell me to do, that's the obedience part, Right? When we read this scripture, you go, to obey is better than sacrifice. Why would, we, why would we say that sacrifice is so important? Because people had gotten to a mindset that they were sacrificing things, but they didn't know why they were doing it. It's not about just giving something up. It's about being obedient in the act of sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. God wants you to be obedient. He wants you to listen to what he's telling you to do, to give up what he's saying to give up. Because here's what we do a lot of times. God tells us to give up a relationship in our life that he knows is unhealthy for us and it's causing us to stumble. But instead, we look at a different relationship in our life that we'll be more comfortable giving up because we don't like that person anyway. And we say, God, I'll give up that relationship. And so we, we tell ourselves that we've been obedient when in reality, we've just sacrificed something that wasn't what God asked us to do. We have to be obedient. That's what he's looking for is Obedience. Romans 4, 3 says this, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Why is this important? When you look at Abraham and his life of faith and we go, how did he do those amazing things? How did he just stand on those promises and just know? Here's how. Abraham believed God, period. Abraham believed God. God. So many of us in this room, we would be a lot better off in our journey of faith if we would just believe that statement that when God tells us something, he said it. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what anybody else is telling me. God said it. Some of you in this room have been praying for your children to come home, to come home to Jesus. And he's promised you that they're going to come home. And you've let people say, well, maybe they're not going to make it. Maybe they're going to end up on this own thing. Let me, let me encourage you today. If God told you it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Stand on the promise that God has said because he will never lie and he will carry out what he's told you he will do. God doesn't break his promises. We just have to believe him. We must believe that God can do it. You see, our faith is not in the outcome of the situation, but in the God who brings the outcome. Let me say that again. Our faith is not in the outcome of the situation, but in the God who brings the outcome. If you're walking into a moment in your life believing that God's going to do something and all you're focusing on is what he's going to do, your faith is in that outcome. That's what you're focused on. What you have to be focused on when living a life of faith is the God that you serve. It's not about what's going to end results going to be. It's about God's going to do it. Well, what are you believing in this for? Because God said he's going to do it. I trust God, don't get, don't get mixed up. It's so easy to get mixed up because here's what the enemy wants to do. Give you a little nugget today. 
The enemy wants you to focus on the outcome because it won't happen in your timing and it won't happen the way you want it to look like and it won't happen in the way that you want to see it. And so the enemy's like, hey, look, you've been praying and God's not doing anything that he said he was going to do. You've been asking him for something and look, that's not even lining up. It's not even going to work out because if he can get you to focus on the outcome, he can get you to lose faith. But if if you stay focused on God, he can't take away. He can't distract you from it because your focus is on the one who's bringing the outcome. That was what Abraham, Abraham wasn't worried about sacrificing Isaac. You want to know why it was so easy for him to wake up and put everything on the donkey? He knew who God was. He knew God had promised him a son and out of that son was coming a great nation. He wasn't worried about the sacrifice because he knew what was going to happen when he got up on that mountain. He knew that God was going to make a way. He didn't know what it was going to look like. He didn't know how it was going to happen, but he knew that the God that he served had promised him something. He believed it. And so he focused on God. We get too caught up in what God's asking us to give up and we stop focusing on the God that we serve. He gave it all for us. If today he asked you to give up everything that you've ever had in your entire life and give it all to him, it would all be worth it. That's what he did for us. I want to share a little bit of my story with you today because I believe that the, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 12 that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so I want to share some of my story with you today because this, the reason I get so passionate when teaching about faith and when teaching about the story is because it has a very personal attachment to me and my family. And so when I was 22, it was about 10 years ago, I was at a place in my life where everything felt great, if I'm going to be real honest with you. I, we were living near family. We had just bought a house. We had two kids. Jake was a little boy. I mean, little, little. And we were in this place where everything was just going great. I had a good job. I was making great money. Everything was looking up. I was up for a promotion at work. Everything was just going amazing. We were serving in a church. We loved our church. We loved being where we were at. It was so awesome. And I'll never forget, I was at a hotel up in Raleigh, North Carolina. I was going to some training for the company that I worked with. And it was a Wednesday night. And I wanted to go to church because that's just where my heart was at. And I remember getting in the car and driving around town, trying to find a church that had services on Wednesday night. And I pulled up to a couple and they both were like, hey, we have youth and children stuff, but we don't have a church service for adults. And so I ended up going back to my hotel and just doing some, some Bible reading. And I'll never forget this because it's one of the few times in my life I've ever felt like I've heard the voice of God. And as I was praying and reading my Bible, I heard it clear as day. Chris, I need you to quit your job. And I immediately was like, man, that was some really bad dinner that I had. Man, I don't know what's going on. I began to say, God, I, I, don't, I don't think, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm hearing things. And this obviously can't be you because look at all this stuff that you've lined up for me in my life. And for weeks on, I would continue in prayer. And our church at that time was in a time of prayer and fasting. And we would get up every day and I would pray and spend time in the word. And every time I would pray, God would send me to this same scripture in Genesis 12 where he tells Abraham to leave. And he doesn't give him a direction. He just tells him to go. And I would be like, okay, God, I get, I get it. But like, no, this isn't going to work. I'll just serve more at the church. I'll just do more there. Man, it'll be great. And I couldn't get anything from God. Man, I would pray and I'd be like, God, just give me a word. Give me a word. And it would be quit your job. And that was it. Talk about frustrated. I was so upset. I was like, there's got to be something else that I can do, God. And I remember it came one day and I was praying and I was, I was broken. 
And I looked at my wife and after I was done, and I was scared to tell her, I'll be honest, because I knew how I reacted. And I remember telling her, I said, honey, I said, I think God's calling us into full-time ministry, and he wants me to quit my job. And, you know, her response wasn't what I thought it would be, because she knew whether I was trying to hide it from her or not, she knew that I'd been fighting and battling and praying and seeking God. She wasn't doubtful of me hearing the voice of God. And she said, if that's what God tells us to do, then that's what we'll do. And so I remember going and uh, I still wasn't convinced completely. So I went to some people in the church, some, some leaders and some people who, who were strong Christian men and women in my life. And I asked their opinion and I said, hey, this is what I feel like God's going to do. And this is the advice that I got. I'll be real transparent with you. They said, God's not going to ask you to give something up till he opens up another door. He's not going to do, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't quit your job. You're in such a good place. You know, God will open up a new door for you. And I 100% believe that they were speaking out of a heart that was pure and, and trying to encourage me. But every time I would pray, I knew what God was telling me to do. And so I go and I told my manager at the time, I put in my, my notice. And we went through this whole process. And I would love to sit here and tell you that as soon as I put my notice in, I walked out the door and got a phone call and we went and worked at a church and that was the way that it happened. But it's not. Two months went by, three months went by. We lost our house because we couldn't pay the mortgage. We ended up moving back in with my parents, which if you know how that goes, that was great. (laughs) So we moved back in with my parents and it was me, us and our two kids and my family. And it was getting hard. Marriage was getting hard and having those conversations and trying to convince myself that I'd really heard the voice of God because I was beginning to doubt it myself. And then one day I got a phone call from a church that I'd applied for in Mississippi. And this guy on the other end of the phone offered me a job. And I don't even think, I didn't hear anything else except I offer you a job. And I was like, yes, we'll go, we'll go wherever it is, God, we'll go. We went down, we tried out and we moved to that church and you know, as, that, as the story goes, we didn't get there and it was a great experience. I would love to say that that was true too. We spent three years in Mississippi and God did amazing things because of our obedience and we saw a youth ministry grow, but we also served under a very hard leadership structure that dealt with some sin issues and we saw a lot of things happen in church that would have turned most people away from ever wanting to be a part of church and serving in it. But God held us and he said, if you'll just remain obedient... I'll make sure that I take care of you. And about seven years ago, I had a friend of mine call Nate Turner. He's one of the missionaries that we help support in the UK. He gave me a phone call. He was over here at the time. He said, hey, there's a church in Ohio that's looking for a youth pastor. And this was my answer. I'll be honest. I said, I didn't lose anything in Ohio. They get a lot of snow up there. Like, I don't, want, like, I don't think that's where I'm supposed to go. And I'll never forget. A few months went by. And things just got really, really bad. And we finally felt like God had released us from that place. And I called Nate and I said, hey, do you know any places that are looking? He says, well, funny enough, I think that church has still not hired a youth pastor. And so we came up and we interviewed and we knew that this was the place that God had called us. I'm going to be honest with you. When we moved here, we thought this was kind of like our Canaan. Felt like this was going to be the place that we were going to settle in and we were going to raise our kids and we were forever going to be here. And when I tell you that it's hard... It's hard because this is what we felt like was the end for us. But a few months ago, the band can go ahead and come up, but a few months ago I was praying and I wasn't even in an unhappy place. I loved what, I love what God's doing here. But I remember I was praying and I was asking God just to speak to me. And I felt like he told me, Chris, it's time for you to move home. 
And once again, I found myself arguing with God for three months. Every time I would pray, I would argue with God and I would just push it aside and continue to do what I was doing. And back in February, sitting in that sound booth at one of our prayer nights, I was on the floor back there and I was just praying. I said, God, I just, what do you want me to do? And he said, you know what I'm asking you to do. And I said, but God, there's no, there's nothing there. (laughs) There's no job. There's no offer. There's no place. There's no thing. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how it's going to work. He said, I just need you to move. And I knew in that moment that it was going to be okay. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what anything's going to look like, but I do know this. I trust God because he's been faithful to me time and time and time again. If you're here this morning and you're in a place where you just know God's asking you to do something, but you don't even know how to do it, let me be the testimony for you to encourage you. Just do it. Don't ask questions. Just do it. Just trust God because I promise you, if you will be obedient and you will be faithful and you will serve him, there's things that's happened here that I never could have imagined I've been able to see happen. But it's only because we were obedient and said, God, you said do it. I watched up here as these graduates stood on this stage this morning. So many of them I was able to be a youth pastor to and to see what God's doing inside of their lives, to see volunteers running around here that are serving and doing amazing things for God. It's all because of an obedience to say, God, God, whatever you say, I will do. And following him, it's not easy and there's uncertainty, but I trust God and I know that he's gonna make a way. I share that story with you because I want to tell you this this morning. Walking by faith means trusting God with all that you were, all that you are right now, in order to become all that you're called to be. So you got to trust God, not just with what feels good. You got to trust God with all the hurt and the pain in your past. You got to trust him with it. You got to trust him with where you're at right now. Even if you love it and you absolutely just don't want to go anywhere else, you got to trust that whatever God asks you to do next is going to get you to where he has called you to be. That's what faith is. Faith is full reliance on God. If you would stand to your feet this morning. every head bowed and every eye closed across the room today. I asked the band, I want them to come back and to sing this song. There's nothing that our God can't do. And the reason I believe this song is so powerful is because so many times we get in a place and we say, God, you can do anything, but you can't, just not this. God, I don't know how you're going to handle this. I don't know how you're gonna take care of this situation, this hurt, this bad relationship, this divorce. I don't know how you're gonna handle this. I don't know how you're gonna handle God, this this argument that I keep having with my my kids. I don't know how you're gonna fix this. I don't don't think you can handle it. God, I, I know that you said you would, but God, I just don't see how it's gonna work out. Maybe it's an addiction that you've been facing and you just say, God, I, I, I can do this on my own if I just try hard enough and I just put enough time in that God, I'll be able to break the addiction. But God's saying, you just have to give it to me. Fully reliance on God. Some of you walked in here today and you have doubt. God has been speaking over your life and he's been saying things that he's gonna do, but you just doubt the word from God. Let me encourage you today. Don't doubt. Be obedient. Trust what God has said. Stand on the promise. With every head bowed and every eye closed in the room this morning, if you're here today, 
I want you to be real open and real vulnerable and real honest with God and say, God, I haven't given you everything. I haven't laid it all down at your feet. And God, I want to do that because God, I want to live a life of faith. I want to live a life that stretches me into things that I never thought I could do. God, I want to be obedient to everything you've called me to do. If that's you today, if you say, there's things I just need to give up to God because I know he's calling me, would you lift up your hand? I just want to be able to pray with you. I see those hands. His hands going up all over the place this morning. I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to get them praying. They're going to sing this song. I want to encourage you to come to the altar. Let somebody stand in agreement with you because you're not in this journey alone. You're not by yourself. God wants to do something in you and through you. All you have to do is lay it at his feet. Father God, we thank you today. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy inside of our life. And God, I thank you that God, you have called each and every one of us for such a time as this. And so God, we give it all over to you. We lay it at your feet. God, I speak against any doubt in the room. God, against any distractions. God, the enemy's voice that is speaking over the lives of these individuals that's saying you can't do it. God, we believe that you can and you will do it today. And so God, we lay it at your feet. We give it all over to you and we trust you this morning. God, we believe that deliverance is in the room. We believe that breakthrough is in the room. God, we believe that healing is in the room because God, wherever you are, that's where those things happen. So God, we trust you today and we give it over to you this morning and we thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope this message helped you to connect with God and connect with others. Be sure to click the subscribe button to stay up to date with new messages each and every week. For more information about our church or for an opportunity to give to this ministry, simply go to victoryhill.org. Thank you, and we hope you have an amazing week.